it, it's not the person who says or who professes, but the person who does my will that really knows me. The professor builds his house on the sand and it comes down in judgment. The possessor builds his house on the rock and it withstands the judgment. Let me tell you, Christianity as such is full of people who say, Lord, Lord, to Jesus. But they have no interest in knowing his will and obeying his will. That's the mark of true salvation. All right, thanks, John, and thank you for listening. This is Bible Q&A with John MacArthur. If you'd like more in-depth teaching from Luke's Gospel, visit MacArthurCommentaries.com. WTRJ, Orange Park, Jacksonville. WAYL, St. Augustine. WATY, Folkston, Georgia. Online at ilovethetruth.com. Okay, the instructions say to insert support A into slot F before locking with a type 3 screw. So that piece goes there? I think so. But it doesn't seem to want to fit. Oops. If you've ever had to put a piece of furniture together from one of those big box stores, you know how complicated it can be. Thankfully, joining God's family is much easier, as Billy Graham explains. There's nothing simpler in the world than to believe in Jesus Christ. When that is done, you're adopted into God's family, you become God's child, and your entire life is absolutely transformed. That could happen to you today. Find out more about the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ by visiting our website, findpeacewithgod.net. When you're there, click on Begin a Relationship with Jesus Christ. That's findpeacewithgod.net. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Hey folks, good afternoon. Welcome to SWAT Radio. Brad and Doug here on this Wednesday afternoon. Glad you tuned in. If you uh, want to call us this afternoon, call us at 844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928. You can also email us at SWAT at ask at SWATradio.com. Douglas? Hey, enjoyed uh, enjoyed our study today. Uh, great word, good stuff in uh, Mark chapter three, wasn't it about our Messiah? Amen. Man, Man I, I got so many notes in here. You know, I've told you before. I my my handwriting's getting really bad. <laughs> it's bad when you can't recognize your own handwriting. Oh my word! No way. <laughs> I I may just start bringing my computer in and just start typing as you're teaching, but. Uh, <laughs> well, it it was a, it was a, a kind of a light group at lunch today. We usually we have more. I don't know what's going on, uh, but um, a, a lot a lot seems to be going on uh, out in the uh, the world. Like uh, this, I don't know if you saw this. The Institute for Science and International Security is sounding the alarm on uh, Iran's nuclear program and uh gave it its highest of six ratings since they began for since the first time they ever began following their nuclear program warning that uh they're about six months away i i promise oh i hear that like they're six months away they're six months away but they're saying they're six months away from having a nuclear weapon which would be awful uh because iran's a terrorist state yeah they wouldn't have any problem pulling that trigger 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, if that's true, I think Israel will go in there and do what they need to do, um, which w- would not be a good thing no. for anybody. No. no. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, that's going on. Um, you know, our our president is having some, some mental struggles. Uh, wow. I mean, Doug, I saw one yesterday. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Just pretty, totally lost. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, with the lost with where he was in, in the conversation. And listen, it, it, it's, it's, it's not his fault. He can't help it. I mean, it's, it's just part of what's going on in his life at this time, mm-hmm. but it's terrible. This is not the person you want with the nuclear codes. <laughs> this is not the person you want up there. Uh, of course, nobody really believes he's the one running the country anyway. At least there's a lot of people <laughs> that, uh, I, in fact, I think, uh, uh, I don't know, somebody interviewed Vladimir Putin who said. Tucker. Tucker's yeah, interviewing him tonight. Is that he? what it is? Yeah. yeah I, I just was reading that article. Did you see these uh, five Marines uh, that are missing, helicopter missing? Yeah, I did. I saw that. And um, so I I thought that I read that they did find their bodies. Maybe. I don't know. I thought that they uh, they found the wreckage. Maybe. maybe yes, uh, they have. Did they? Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought they read that. Certainly need to remember them in prayer for sure. Um, but, um, anyway, and then, and then you got the border crisis and I'll tell you, if you just do a cursory look, I was reading about, um, one illegal immigrant who had come over, um, and raped a child, got deported and now is back again. And I'm just like, how, how do you keep people who are doing terrible things out how do you do that you've got Mm -hmm. to have some kind of border we have borders uh, around our yards all the people that are voting to not enclose the borders have borders around their houses um i got a lock on my door yeah am i I good they got security (laughs) issues most some of them have security teams um and so um anyway well, um, I'm sure you uh, listened to the briefing. In fact, it was part of the news today about this uh, school shooter's mother is convicted of manslaughter. Uh, you heard you heard that? Yeah, kid, uh, fifteen year old. Was it Michigan? Kid. Was it? Mi- yeah, Michigan kid, uh, fifteen years old, killed. I think four, four or five of his classmates, and uh, the mother is uh, going down for manslaughter. Wow. And, uh, you know, really, uh, I kind of agree with that. What, what, you know? what did, uh, well, her and her husband bought the gun for him. Uh, they knew he was battling some mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, she literally took him to the gun range two days before this shooting. Wow. Um, it's just, uh, sad, but I think that the issue is we, as, as parent now, some are saying this sets an interesting precedence in that, uh, you know, if your kids go do something wrong, are you to blame partially? Well, well, and if your kid is under 21, a lot of times you are. Absolutely. A lot of times <clears throat> they will hold you liable for them. But this is interesting um, that, that they, they came down with that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if it holds up on appeal, and they do, um, you know, why wasn't his backpack checked? Yeah. 
That is um, interesting. Um, and they, you know, and uh, it says the parents didn't even tell the school that the boy had access to guns. There's just a lot to that. Um, and um, it, it's it was it, did you hear that on the briefing? This I morning? did. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Well, what's going on out in the real estate world right now, you Mister Real uh, Estate it's, Guy? It's not bad. Uh, interest rates have come down a little bit, which kind of helps things. But you know, December, January, and February are kind of slow. So. Are they? Uh, <laughs> Or yes. those months you have to spend a lot of time in prayer, right? That's exactly right. Or yeah. spending a lot of time on the radio. <laughs> yeah, there, there, yeah, there you go. Do, do well, a lot of Bibles teaching. You know? Well, <clears throat> well, uh, it was you know the uh, the study today was good because for for several reasons, uh, but one reason I enjoyed working through that text was the twelve ordinary men, and we'll talk mm-hmm. about it next week. Mm-hmm. But so many times. People believe that for God to use them, they have to have an extraordinary set of talents, an extraordinary set of skills. Um, we we look on the outside. We look for people that fit what we think would make a perfect minister or mm-hmm. a perfect speaker or a perfect preacher. And God picks these 12 guys that nobody would have picked. Well, you and I have said this before. <clears throat> In fact, I got a text uh, last week after I taught on uh, Acts chapter 2, this ordinary church, uh, remembering when you and I were talking about, uh, if you were were, uh, the head person for Jesus' HR department, you would not have picked those 12. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the reality is, you know, and I didn't bring this up, maybe I'll I'll tie into it next Mm -hmm. week. We're just ordinary people. Yes, we are. You know, we, we didn't do anything extraordinary to be chosen by God. We're ordinary men and women, but we have an extraordinary God. We have an extraordinary message. And, uh, you know, we live, Doug, I feel like in a time, and quite frankly, we have lived in these times for a long time where everything has to be a sign. Everything has to be a wonder. You know, I got to, you know, and do you see the 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 image of, of Mary in the tree? You know, it's <laughs> like all these all these signs and yet at least when you even look at the text that we looked at today it's what Mm -hmm. these are just ordinary men with an extraordinary message and uh man everything doesn't have to be just uh overwhelming the reality is we should be in awe and wonder when we see a you know see a co-worker who has been antagonistic to the gospel come to christ yeah. We should be in awe when a marriage is restored. We should be in awe. Those are the awes and wonders mm. to me that we ought to be looking at and going, that's the power of the gospel. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not you and I. Mm-hmm. It wasn't these 12 for sure. No, they these these guys were just they they were knuckleheads like us, man. <laughs> exactly. He just people he just called and said, "Hey, I want I'm going to use you." But I, I did think it was interesting some of the language used in the text that we covered today. Of course, we'll get into it next week, and um, I, I'm I'm really excited. Uh, do you do you feel like you say that a lot? It's a really great text today. You know. Yes, I do. I tell people all the time. I don't know whether I am gifted at teaching, but I I'm gifted at studying. Yeah. I love to study the Word. It's just uh, to me. 
in fact, I sat in the back of the class with our good friend Tim, and uh, we were just after class just talking about books we're reading and how uh, he, he listens to about two or three different messages or reads two or three different messages just to prepare to come to SWAT, you know, yeah. and I think that's so good. You know, the importance of, as uh, as Paul spoke, spoke of the Bereans, that they examine the scriptures daily. Uh, mm. You know, so oftentimes we're, we're just those spoon-fed Christians that just, you know, we just open our mouth and just get fed. Mm. And, man, people are missing out if they don't dig into the Word. Yes, they are. Well, hey, um, I wanted to let our listeners know, as you know, tomorrow will be guest day. And uh, my guest tomorrow will be Grant Castleberry. Grant is a uh, pastor up at Capitol Community Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. He is a former Marine who graduated from Texas A&M. Whoop! Uh, and uh anyway he has written i think he's written a book um and he uh, has he has it, written a book. It, it, and um he's really really a man who uh, is bent toward uh the gospel and helping people understand the gospel and um he's He's a smart thinker. He hangs around with guys like Owen Strand. They're good friends. Um, and uh, he got his uh, doctorate in uh, uh, systematic theology and church history at um, up at Moeller's School. I call it Moeller's mm-hmm. School up there. Um, and so uh, he'll be a, he'll be a good good guest to have on to talk about some of the things we've been talking about. Everything from attending uh, a trans wedding uh, or uh, anyway, anyway, um, he'll be our guest. And so you might want to tune in. It'll be good. We can get some clarity on some of that. And also, uh, and we, he, he will weigh in. I, I was looking at last time I had him on, he weighed in on the whole, the Arminian sovereign thing, the reform thing. So I'm going to give, since he's a history doctorate, uh, got his doctorate in history and theology, I'm going to have him do a Arminian Calvin for dummies tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to have him do that down in about one segment where he just breaks it down so that people clearly understand two schools of thought as it relates to the view of it, and, and it affects the view of Scripture, the view of um, God, the view of Jesus, the view of man. And um, they come from two different perspectives. One is more focused on man's choosing or responsibility. One it tends to be more focused on God's sovereignty. And we'll, uh, we'll have him uh, kind of share that tomorrow. That'll be, uh, I'll try and tune in, even though I'm going to be out. But uh, he wrote a book called uh, Building a Marriage Culture. He wrote that with uh, Greg Gibson. And uh, it's, a, it's an excellent book. It's uh, Building building a Marriage Culture, Renewal in the Ruins in a World you know, Where Same-Sex Marriage is Now Legal in All 50 States. How Should Men and Women Continue to Stand Firm on Marriage? 
you know, we stand firm by pursuing our God-given spouse endlessly, loving our children in a biblical way, and by rebuilding a marriage culture. Boy, is that needed. <laughs> so uh, I may have to call in and just, uh, you know, ask him about this book. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, hey, we're going to take a quick break. Glad you tuned in. If you want to call this afternoon, 844-777-7928. Get your Bibles open. We're going to be in Mark chapter 2. We'll be right back. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. SWAT Radio is underwritten in part by The Guardian Group. You know Brad Sykes as co-host of SWAT Radio. While Brad is committed to making disciples both on and off the air, his ministry extends into the marketplace as a licensed real estate agent with Keller Williams Southside. Brad and his wife Vicki are real estate agents in Northeast Florida. They are the founding partners of The Guardian Group. They help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate with offices near Butler and Southside Boulevards. 904-580-7255. That's 904-480-7255. And online at guardiangroupjacks.com. That's guardiangroupjacks.com. The Guardian Group. Happy to bring you SWAT Radio on the truth. The Florida Georgia Truth Network, serving Anastasia Island at 91.9. There I was on death row, guilty in the first degree. Son of God hanging on him. Hell was my destiny. The crowd was shouting. Hey guys, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Glad you uh, tuned in. If you want to call this afternoon, the number is 844-777-7928. And if you are new to SWAT, uh, we are glad you've tuned in. SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. We're glad to have you. Uh, tuning in our desire here on SWAT radio is to equip and encourage you the listener to live out your faith faith fearlessly in a world that often challenges it our mission is rooted in the biblical understanding that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds paul exhorts the believers to demolish arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God by taking every thought captive to obey Christ. We love having you on on air, but we'd love to have you join us in person. You can go to SWATradio.com, click on the meetings tabs, and you'll see the various locations that Doug teaches at. And uh, anyway, just uh, our five core values are that we, we believe God's word is our authority. It is also our greatest weapon. We believe that Prayer is not just an act of obedience, but a recognition that the battle is the Lord's. We believe that discipleship is an act of iron, sharpening iron, and essential in fighting the good 
fight. We also believe that evangelism is not just a command, but a commissioning for all who are called. And finally, we believe that community is the place where we're given the opportunity to carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And uh, again, if you want to call us this afternoon, uh, we are the only live men's Bible study that we know of where you can actually call in and ask us questions, 844-777-7928. Well, you know, if you've been listening this week, we've been in Mark chapter 2 and uh, the end of chapter 2 and uh, going into chapter 3 today. Uh, with the last part, we've been looking at this uh, uh, idea of God revealing a Messiah who affirms the authority of God's word as Jesus and his disciples walked through a, a grain field. And uh, there were Pharisees there who basically were the enforcers of the Sabbath. And, um, you know, the um, the Sabbath was a command God gave. is one of the Ten Commandments, actually, in Exodus 20. And... Um, it basically um, the 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 Sabbath was defined as the seventh day of the week. It, you know, it was it was the day that you were supposed to dedicate that day uh, to rest and reflect on God. Uh, you weren't to work because you were to take that day to uh, rest. And God instituted it really as he modeled it back in Genesis 2. We covered that yesterday. Um, and, uh, but he rested on the seventh day, not because he needed rest, but because he modeled. Uh, he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That was referred back to actually, um, you know, uh, in Exodus. And so um, under Mosaic law, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't go out and pick up sticks. They couldn't do any of this stuff. It was considered work. Um, and uh, if you if you go back and look at the actual wording, it, it says in your translation, "Remember," right? Um, it, it's it's something that was instituted before God gave the Ten Commandments. And we, we've talked about that yesterday with the manna, how he told them to go out and gather it. So, But the, the word actually means rest. It means day of rest. And it was supposed to uh, be holy, consecrated, which means you it's a special day of you to reflect on God. And it was really a sign of the covenant. I talked about that. Um, but all the other nations were pagan nations. They worked seven days. They didn't depend on Yahweh. And so one of the questions get asked, well, do we keep it today? I mean, is it something that we should? Well, in Colossians 2, I mentioned yesterday, uh, Paul says, don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. These were a shadow of things to come. The reality is found in Jesus and Christ, he says. Um, also over in Romans 14, verse 5, he says, One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each should be fully convinced in his own mind. It's a conviction. So for, for the believers, uh, we have the freedom in Christ that we aren't bound to keep it anymore. He is our rest, right? 
Um, it's, it's not a command from God anymore. Uh, but, uh, and we shouldn't judge each other, but it's not something that you necessarily should do away with either. I mean, you I know. totally agree. I mean, I, you, we were talking about it yesterday. I have not, uh, especially in the business that I'm in. So oftentimes, you know, we've got people who want to go look at property on Sundays and, mm-hmm. uh, I, I never like to do that. And so, you know, if, if, if I've been in retail a lot of my career mm-hmm. and a lot of times we were open on Sundays, uh, not by my choice, but by my owner's choice. And so, you know, I would typically take a rest on another day, but how, well, how, how are we doing it really resting? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, I mean, you talked about it yesterday that God gave us this as a model. I mean, he, he didn't need the rest, mm-hmm. uh, but he worked six days and then rested on the seventh. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people would say the Sunday is a Sabbath. Well, no, I love what MacArthur does. He calls Sunday the Lord's day mm-hmm. because it was, uh, traditionally the day that, um, he was resurrected. And so it's a day of celebration. Um, and so Jesus is our Sabbath now. And, um, you know, he, we rest in him, all other religions, you have to work your way there, but not with Jesus. And so as far as the, the Sabbath day, that was a picture of the rest. It says it was a picture. And so the Pharisees and religious leaders had made these laws about the Sabbath, these fences they put up around God's law and it was a burden. And we said yesterday, Jesus declared, hey, man uh, was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Mm-hmm. It, it shouldn't be a burden. It should be a, a, a gift. A blessing. A blessing, yeah. yeah. And so um, we looked at that yesterday. Well, going into chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we see again Jesus this is not the same day but he goes into a synagogue and again guys a synagogue if you're listening a synagogue wasn't church mm-hmm. a synagogue was like a community center now they would gather there and they would discuss they would read um, it, it was a place where they would worship they would come in and have the word read but Jesus went in there on a Sabbath, a day that the Pharisees were already irritated with him for violating. They were watching him mm. to see. And he goes in to the synagogue with with the Pharisees there. And Brad, I'm going to have you read verses 1 through 6 so people can hear the word of God describe what happens and we'll come back and talk about it. Yeah. Mark chapter three, uh, verse one, again, he entered the synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand and they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? to save life or to kill, but they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. Hmm. These are the words of God that Brad just read. And so as we look at this man, he he is in the synagogue with a withered hand. Now, I'm struck by that, Brad, because typically if people had some kind of physical anomaly, they were considered cursed or it happened, you know, as a result of sin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, Jesus, you know, could have, he went into the synagogue and the guy was there and um, he could have chosen to wait and not create a stir, but he didn't. He chose to heal that man. He knew they were watching him. And it says they watched to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. And I love this that, I mean, first of all, if you look in Luke's account, it's his right hand. He basically couldn't work. He, this hand, his hand was unusable. He couldn't work. And, and so they were watching. They didn't care anything about this man. It's obvious. They didn't care about the leper. They didn't care about the paralytic. They didn't care about Levi, and they don't care about this guy. They only care about one thing, their authority, their their position. And um, they had literally placed their tradition over the restoration of this man's life. Because in that culture, it was an agrarian culture. You had to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was no um, Social Security. There was no, you know, workman's comp. There was none of that stuff. And so Jesus says, come here. Literally, it's stand up. And, man, the moral courage it took to do that when he knew these people that were plotting to destroy him wanted to kill him. And he, he told this man to stand. He's like, okay, this I'm not afraid of this confrontation because I'm on the right side of right here. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, I want to explore that just a little bit because what are you going to do when the powers that be come against you? Because they're coming. The world around us is coming against us. And what are you going to do? When we come back, we'll look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you tuned in. Again, if you want to call this afternoon, 844-777-7928. You can also email us any questions or comments to ask at SWAT Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The military says a missing Marine Corps helicopter has been found in a mountainous area outside San Diego. Rescue crews say snowy conditions were making access challenging. There's no word on casualties. Five servicemen were aboard that helicopter. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has rejected Hamas demands for a ceasefire and vowed to press ahead with Israel's military offensive in Gaza until achieving absolute victory. A storm that parked itself over Southern California for days, unleashing historic downpours, that caused hundreds of landslides is expected to move out, but 
after one final drenching. It has been one of the wettest storms in Southern California history, dumping more than half the amount of rainfall Los Angeles typically gets in a season in just two days. L.A. Mayor Karen Bass says it's not over yet. We still need Angelinos to take precautions and to stay informed during this time. National Weather Service meteorologist Ariel Cohen says it's one for the record books. Between 6 and 12 inches of rain has fallen over the city and saturated the ground. And officials say that can increase the risk of landslides long after the storm passes. I'm Mike Hempen. Also at SRNews.com, Nikki Haley vowing to stay in the presidential race after her showing in a Tuesday Nevada primary. Haley was the only candidate listed on the ballot, and she finished in second place with 31% of the vote. 63% of voters selected none of these candidates. It was largely a symbolic vote with no delegates at stake. It's because Nevada's Republican Party is holding its own primary on Thursday in a move that favors Donald Trump. The Haley campaign says it didn't bother to play a game rigged for Trump and is focused on South Carolina instead. Greg Clugston, Washington. This is SRN News. Hi, I'm Todd Nettleton, and this is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Two years ago today, Hindu radicals disrupted a worship service in India, accusing Pastor Ramesh of breaking anti-conversion laws. Ramesh was arrested, and for the first 15 days, he questioned God. But when his son brought him a Bible and other prisoners showed interest, Ramesh's perspective changed. He began to minister to his fellow prisoners and lead them to Christ, distributing more than 60 New Testaments. After three months, Ramesh was released on bail, but his church had been forcibly closed and his evangelism efforts have been restricted while the case is pending. Pray God's favor and provision for Pastor Ramesh as he awaits a verdict. I will not let my brothers and sisters suffer in silence, nor will I let them suffer alone. To join me in prayer for persecuted Christians, go to vomradio.net. No active accidents, but there is some roadway debris to be aware of on State Road 9B southbound at the ramp to the E-Town Parkway. Also, there's congestion I-95 southbound approaching I-10 near downtown. And there's congestion on U.S. 17 Roosevelt Boulevard southbound approaching the West Beltway. Mostly clear tonight, low 42. Thursday, mostly sunny, high 67. From the Traffic and Weather Center, I'm A.J. Yeah, that's right. We're just nobodies trying to tell everybody about that somebody. Hey, glad you tuned in today. SWAT Radio, Doug and Brad here on this Wednesday. And Doug's got a great guest tomorrow and uh, excited to uh, come and tune in. Um, You want to hit that one again? Yeah, Grant Castleberry. Uh, He is, uh, I've had him on before, great pastor up in Raleigh. He is just a great servant. And that's always makes a great pastor he's humble and um just really um being a d- good dad mm-hmm. to his 
family, good leader to his family, and a good pastor in the church. And again, he hangs out with Owen Strand. I mean, those two guys. I, that that's it's two, pretty solid company yeah, right there. Yeah, it is. And so uh, I am. Um, I'm pretty excited. He's going to be on because he's. He's just a good brother, and I look forward to getting him to weigh in on some of these things we've been talking about. Uh, again, he's the pastor at Capitol Community Church in Raleigh, um, got his doctorate in, uh, or his Ph.D. in church history and systematic theology, but he would tell you that was just him going to school to learn a bunch of stuff that he enjoyed um, doing. He is He grew up listening to John MacArthur exposit the word as he washed dishes in his house because he washed dishes every night. So he'd turn on Johnny Mac. I mean, just a really good guy. So uh, I might stand there and do dishes for a while, you know? Yeah. I, I'm not a big dishes guy, but you're not, you know, I might, uh, might and, be worth it listening to Johnny Mac. And did you know, <laughs> uh, at least he was, I, I, I think he still is. I'll ask him tomorrow that he is, I think, the executive director of the Council on Biblical Manhood and uh, Womanhood. Yes, I think uh, you're right there. Um, so uh, he's wearing quite a few hats there. So he's been he's been that for a while. So uh, anyway, well, you know, we're we're in Mark chapter three. This is such an important text, and I think you know we battle this idea of legalism versus compassion in the church even today. You know, I, I can recall being downtown one time <clears throat> uh, at church and um, a homeless person strolled into the back mm -hmm. and uh, just not even, nobody even noticed him. And in fact, it was my son who actually noticed him and went and, mm -hmm. went and sat with the guy. And I think, you know, so oftentimes, you know, we, we feel like, uh, you know, we're, it's more important that we follow these rules that we've established for yeah. ourselves than to be compassionate toward those who may not fit in the box we've built. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and it is convicting when you read, you know, even what we read last week and, and this yesterday and the day before going, working through this especially this issue with this guy with a withered hand. You know, I've read quite a few commentaries on this text by guys that I really respect who mm -hmm. what they do what I call the grunt work of the original languages. Yes. You know, yep. they go in there and they look at it. And I'll tell you, Brad, there's not a lot of commentary out there on this text. Um it, 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 and I, one reason I believe it's that way is because it's pretty straightforward what's going on. Jesus gives the explanation in the text. And, and what we see is him demonstrating the mercy of God's word. You know, so many people see God's word as a burden. They see it as a ball and chain or, or something that's like it's a killjoy. And God's word is merciful. And people, in fairness to uh, God's word, people have made God's word burdensome just like the Pharisees did. There's people today that twist God's word that 
uh, will use God's word as a weapon for their own power. That's very different than explaining his word and letting the authority of his word dictate what you should do or shouldn't do. Hmm. Not what Brad thinks, not what Doug thinks. What does the word say? How is that applied? Okay, and and you go through there. There's lots of applications to the word, but there's one interpretation that's correct. Mm -hmm. There's one. What the original writer meant, writing to the original hearer, and so you mentioned in verse one, it said he had a withered hand. Um, well, when you when you look at that in the text, it literally just means that his hand was paralyzed. His hand was um, it, it was unable to do anything, right? And so, um, withered in the original language uh, just literally means that. Um, he's unable to use it for anything so it doesn't say what it really was other than it was withered and they were watching jesus because he was there i almost wonder if they brought him there because he typically probably wouldn't have been there or it more than likely was something that happened to him later in life and so maybe he had gone and that happened and he came maybe it was an injury or something but he was in there, and they were watching Jesus to see if he was going to heal. And like I said, they didn't really care. And Jesus says, come here, which is literally stand up. And he had the moral courage to confront these guys head on. Yeah. And in verse 4, he asked him a question, which he was great at doing. And he asked him a question that they really had no out. <laughs> Don't you love that? <clears throat> I do I, love that. Well, that's what that's what you see really in really the last uh, several verses that we've been looking at. These Pharisees continue to watch Jesus just so they could find something to accuse him. You know, instead of honestly evaluating his claims, most of them were looking for an opportunity to discredit him. Yeah, yeah, and and so he uh, he he asked, "Is it authorized?" Is it permitted? That's really what the word means. He says lawful, lawful there, yeah. but the word means authorized or, or or really permitted to do good or to do evil. Hmm. And and so they're in a bind here because, <laughs> of course, it's good to do good on the Sabbath. And And what he was saying to them in the statement he made is, we have a guy here that... I have the ability to heal. You think that it's evil for me to heal him because of your tradition. There's nothing pro- prohibitive in the Bible about him healing on a Sabbath. And he uses other examples in other scriptures of you untie your ox, you lead your ox to water. So all I'm doing is speaking this man's restoration into existence. And, and so he asked him, and he says, but what you're wanting to do is evil. For you to see this man have the opportunity to be healed and deny it, it's evil because of your tradition. That's all. Not because of God's word. And what did it say? They, How did they respond? They were silent. They were absolutely silent. And he's kind of alluding to pekuak nefesh, and I mentioned this yesterday. 
Pekuach Nefesh is Jewish teaching that says if somebody's life in danger or they're hurt, it's permissible to break the Sabbath by working to save that person's life. Um, ambulance drivers, uh, police, uh, firemen, the nurses can give attention to their patients on the Sabbath. Pekuach Nefesh implies more than just the permission to violate the law. It demands its violation to help somebody when their life is at stake. Now, when you think about the Good Samaritan, you had a priest and a Levi walking down the road. There's a guy in the road who's bleeding, who's messed up. And if they touch this guy and he was dying, maybe they would be unclean and they didn't want to touch him, so they just passed by him. They they violated this aspect, Bakuak Nefesh, because they should have helped the guy. And Jesus really gave Pekuach Nefesh his stamp of approval as a principle uh, because he taught in Luke 13 about it. He taught that um, the synagogue leader objected to what Jesus was doing, and he says, doesn't each of you untie his ox from the stall and lead to give it water? So he's saying that it's permissible to help somebody in need. Mm. And, and so they they didn't know what to do and so verse five is interesting because it says he looked around with anger how many times do you see jesus angry in yeah scripture? not very often and he was angry at their hard hearts and then it says he was grieved these were the nation's leaders you know it harkens back to matthew 9 where it says they were like sheep without a shepherd mm-hmm. think about the old testament passages in ezekiel jeremiah i think even isaiah were God condemns the shepherds because they're not shepherding. They're not feeding. They're not caring for the sheep. These people love power more than people. And so Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And guess what? He obeyed. Now think about it. When Jesus said his hand was like paralyzed, Mm -hmm. he said, stick out your hand, stretch it out. It took faith on his part to do that. But Jesus empowered him to do it. Yeah. And he only did it with a word. Yes. He didn't even touch him. Doesn't no. say that he touched him. No. Just said, told him what to do, and he, he obeyed it. Yep. Oh, man, that's the good stuff. Uh, hey, we're going to take one more break. Call us at 844-777-7928. Email us at ask at SWATradio.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts and truck rental and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomnehl.com. The Florida Georgia Truth Network 
Heard in Amelia Island at 91.3. I pull, go back and forth, finding myself Pounding on a locked door I try to make it out alone without your help But I know I never win this war I can never be, never be free without you I can never be, never be me without you Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. Doug and Brad here. This is our last segment of the day. Call us at 844-777-7928. We're looking at Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, where Jesus uh, heals the man with a withered hand. You know, I think it's interesting, Doug, rather than uh, avoiding a conflict, Jesus kind of provokes one here. Well, yeah, he did it with the leaders because he knew they they were they were not doing good right you know and so it's almost like is it wrong to pick a fight with a bully you know uh, basically he's going mm-hmm. in there and he's saying you're you're wrong of course yeah. he's god he yeah. made him right yeah. i mean like so he uh he he just showed them listen i did good and what should their response have been they should have been wow what should our response whenever God yeah, yeah. heals somebody? Yeah, I mean, it, well, it, their response should have been, this is Messiah. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Their response should have been, wow, he healed this guy's hand in front of us, but it wasn't. All they cared about was their power. And so stop and think about what's happened up to this point. Surely these guys were involved or they had heard about this. A leper's healed. A paralytic's healed. Um, he calls a, Levi. Yeah. Think about a Roman sympathizing tax collector who walks away from that and says, I'm going a different route. I mean, they didn't celebrate that. And then calls his friends. Some of them did the same thing. And then a man with a paralyzed hand. You put all these things together. There's no celebration from them. They hated him. Why? Uh, not because of what he did. It was because of what he said. What he was communicating in his preaching is salvation doesn't come because of your observances, your religious observances. It is only available by grace through faith in Jesus. They didn't like that. They didn't like that one bit. Wait a minute. We're, we're, we're sons of Abraham. We keep the law. It was all about the external. And so as we look at all these things that have taken place over the past, you know, few days, takeaways are Jesus, first of all, affirms God's word as our authority, not the traditions of men. He takes them back. If you remember back to Monday, he took them back to the scriptures to say, hey, it was okay for David to do this. It's okay for me to do this. Because David violated divine Mm. ceremony. I only violated man's tradition. And you're giving me grief over this, basically. So that's the first thing. The second thing, Jesus clarified that the Sabbath was a day of rest for God's people, making them different. That, that, 
the Sabbath was supposed to be celebrated as a witness to other people. Wow, these people don't work on Sunday, just like we see with Chick-fil-A today or Hobby Lobby or, you know, um, correct craft boats. I mean, all, all other religions teach that you have to work your way to God, just like all other religions allow you to work seven days a week. It doesn't matter. It, they don't care if you rest. But Jesus says to rest in him, and that whole passage in Hebrews chapter 4 is about resting in Christ. And so Jesus is our Sabbath. And then finally, God desires our mercy above sacrifice. We, we know that in the Matthew account, he says that in the text about calling Levi. And over in Matthew 15, he says, listen, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And don't you see that a lot? There's a lot of head knowledge people. There's a lot of people that would say, yeah, well, I believe, but it never grabbed their hearts. Well, so much of what we do really in discipleship is, you know, disciple means learner. <laughs> That's what that word means. But in the Hebrew language, it's it's a it's not just a learner. It's it's a, an observer. It's a watcher, and it's a a modeling. Yeah. You know, you even talked about it today that the the goal was to be like the teacher. Yeah. Well, our teacher is the Word of God. And to be honest, um, growing up, did you did you did you did you think about that at all? No, like like when no. you thought about discipleship, did you think? have any desire at all to be like your teachers at that point well what's you know for me i was sharing this yesterday with fca i didn't come to christ i was a senior in high school uh although i grew up in the church was you know doing the religious things but never once during those years did i connect the you know the the doctrines or the theology with the practice you know the orthodoxy and the orthopraxy it was really only when I began to be discipled that this isn't just, you know, as James says, don't merely be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Mm. You know, th this isn't just a head thing. I mean, I think that's even part of my wife's testimony. She knew all about Christ. She'd been in Bible studies. She learned all about Jesus, but she had never surrendered her life to him as Lord and Savior. Hmm. That's like uh, our buddy um, Roy, who uh, went to be with Jesus this past Sunday. I'm doing his uh, memorial service on Friday. And by the way, uh, if you live out at the beach here in Jacksonville or or you knew Roy or you're a SWAT guy, I invite you to come out at 11 a.m. to Pontevedra Presbyterian Church, 4510 Palm Valley Road. That's... Uh, 4510 Palm Valley Road, and um, you can come at 11 a.m. We're going to celebrate Roy's life and uh, remember him. He came to faith later in life. Even though he grew up in the church, he grew up being baptized, confirmed, all the things that had all the trappings mm -hmm. of the church. But by his own words, I, I didn't really know him until i was 89 years old That's amazing he, yeah and then he got baptized three years ago i we got to baptize him out at the cabana beach club yeah, out there I remember uh, that. on the ocean and um so you know I, I i can remember brad when i was going to russia leading groups to russia i had a pastor who 
had pastored for 20 years as a minister at the same church, came to faith on the trip, said his whole ministry was a Mm -hmm. sham because he had never really bowed his heart to Christ. Yeah. Is that not is that insane? I've had that. I've had some, not maybe not quite to that extreme, but a deacon at a church here who'd been a deacon for almost twenty years. After meeting with him two or three times, um, I had him go read First John. Go read it every day for the next seven days, and we met back together. And uh, I remember him just weeping in a hmm. Starbucks, saying, "I'm not saved." Hmm. <laughs> You know, that that takes a, a sense of humility to be able to say, all these things I know about Christ, mm-hmm. but I've never made him Lord. Yeah. Is he calling you? I think that's the unique thing here. I mean, when I look at this text, I'm not going to be here on Friday, but I, if David were here and he would he would ask me, what what in this text stands out to you? I think what stands out to me is that Jesus confronts them. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill it? Mm. And then he just waits in silence. He waits for an answer. And I think, Doug, so oftentimes when when we present the gospel, we're trying to get a response. We're trying to force a response as opposed to letting them sit in silence. Yeah. Um, There's something loud about that kind of silence, isn't it? I mean, think about this. this is this verse really is the climax of this whole confrontation section that you've been kind of working through. Mm-hmm. I mean, faced with certainly the most convincing arguments and actions about Jesus's deity, the Pharisees chose to reject those. Mm. And uh, instead of simply leaving Jesus alone, they took steps to kill him. You know, they could have just walked away and gone, let's ah, forget that dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, they, 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 they hate him. Yeah, I. When you look at the the gospel Jesus preached, uh, he referred to it as the gospel of the kingdom. And the, you know the the early church didn't struggle with it. They understood clearly what it was. It demanded a call. It was not an easy believism kind of gospel. It wasn't a forgiveness only gospel. It was the king has come and he's here. Mm-hmm. Are you on board his yeah. kingdom yeah. or not? Uh, it, you know, Paul said when you when you enter his kingdom in Second Corinthians, he says all things become new. Yeah. So how in the world could you think that you could become a believer in Jesus Christ and a follower of Jesus and remain the same? Nothing changes in your life. Mm-mm. And and that crazy, yep. but people believe that yep. they live that, uh, you know, um, when you follow Jesus, um, that there is an, there's a change in us that takes place that demonstrates the reality of our faith yep. and what our brother Roy experienced late in life was that. And, and, you know, I told the guys at lunch today, if I had to live the, if, if I had to live the, the, the first five years of my adult life as a believer and then blow it the rest 
or blow it my whole life in the last five years of my life live as a faithful believer. I would choose the oh, latter, right? Amen. Because there's a lot amen. of guys in the Bible that started off strong. And you know, it's like golf. It ain't how you drive, is it? It's how you arrive. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, uh, you made that point today. I wrote that down in my notes is, you know, what, what, what do you, what do you want people to remember? I, I want people to say uh, that I ran the race strong mm -hmm. that i finished strong mm -hmm. and it, it doesn't mean that you're healthy and you're you're i think we 